Zach Lowe spoke on the direction the Charlotte Hornets should take going forward. We'll break down those comments. And also, James Borrego, he's in the conversation these days. Should the Hornets have fired him a couple of years ago? Was that the wrong decision? We'll talk about it all today. Locked on Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts. And that includes YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more right now. New customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, you can visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. There is David Walker dressed as Devin Booker, he says. You can find him on yeah, Twitter God. at David B. Walker. <laughs> you did that just for Doug? The B's for Beanie or Booker. You did that just for Doug today, right? I did it just for Doug. Only All for right. Doug. Doug is Charlotte. a huge fan. You know, go go tweet at Doug and talk about how great Devin Booker is on if his you Twitter handle. Get blocked, at Doug if you want to get Branson. blocked. Oh, you don't you don't block people though. That's not your game. <laughs> I block. You everyone. don't do that. <laughs> That's Doug Branson. You can find his Substack because you can't find him on Twitter. You can find his Substack every hornetsboxscore.com and listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from twelve to three p.m. All right, we'll get to the pain of the three Hornets losses. It's been a while since we've talked about the pain with David because it's been a week. A lot's happened in a week, David. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a moment. Not much. I did want to go to Zach Lowe's comment on the world famous low post podcast where he talked about the Charlotte Hornets direction. And he said, Charlotte should be in full trade mode. You keep LaMelo ball, Mark Williams, Nick Smith, Jr. And Brandon Miller, of course. And you test the market for everyone else and prepare for a transitional summer with another lottery pick and new ownership, putting its stamp on the organization. I do feel like those are the right guys. And I feel like this is a conversation also being had because everybody knows the Hornets have to undergo a pretty drastic change this off season, how drastic it's going to be. We don't know, but we do know that we're going to see a different GM. We're probably going to see a different head coach. It'd be surprising, especially now if Steve Clifford came back and if Mitch Kupchak came back. Now you have to make the decision on what players you're keeping, whether it be at the deadline or whether it be going into the following season. So we've had this convo a lot, and it does feel like the consensus more so, it's the BMW package, right? It's LaMelo Ball, it's Mark Williams, it's Brandon Miller, but also Nick Smith Jr. I agree with. like He's not untouchable, but I, I would agree trying to keep Nick Smith Jr., uh, as much as you can, unless there's an offer that just blows your mind. David, yeah. what do you think about Zach Lowe's comments? And have you thought about the the Hornets core that they should keep intact while everybody else gets traded and moved on from? Oh, yeah. I mean, th- that's exactly what they should be doing. And, and like you said, Walker, you guys have talked about it a bunch. Zach Lowe kind of puts his stamp on it. But I think this is what a lot of the vocal Hornets folks uh, on Twitter and and, and in the arena and everywhere else, those that are watching. I mean, there's some still out there. I got a buddy who's like, I just want to see this whole core together. I just want to see what they can do. And um, I said, uh, I I don't I don't want to see that anymore. No. It's, time to, it's time to make a move. It's time to do something else. And it feels like this is the calm before the storm. Uh, once they get the new you know leadership or whomever in place, but yeah, th- this thing is clearly not working. They've they've tried it on on multiple levels. They've they've tried it with this mini core, 
And it's just been so tumultuous that they've got to make a change. They've got to make a change for the sanity, honestly, of people watching. I mean, they can't continue to watch this product, the same core, the same effort roll out there on a night in night out basis. It's, 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 it's frustrating. I think that's where you're seeing a lot of this frustration voice right now from people that are continue to watch the true sickos uh and it's hard to blame them but yeah i mean i think that's what they should be doing that looks like what teams that have surpassed the hornets that have you know skyrocketed past the hornets on the way to respectability have been doing is collecting young assets building that way (laughs) and making savvy trades when they can um so yeah i think that's your core four that you want to keep and like you said we love what Nick Smith Jr.'s done. If somebody comes to you with, you know, something you just can't turn down, maybe you, you figure out a way to make that work. But, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got to make a, a change on multiple levels. And, you know, LaMelo, they're, they're, they're in tandem with LaMelo now. So, like, you know, that's, that's how they're going to move forward. That's how they're going to proceed. So I think that's the right four to do it. And it seems like a no-brainer because what else can you do with this current group at this point? It feels hard to steer into the – steer it back on the right course right now what do you think doug well zach lowe is right to include nick smith jr for this reason he has an elite skill set he has one elite skill set that has been proven and forged in the fire of actual nba serious nba minutes and you can't discount that i mean the hornets hung on to james Booknight and kai jones for oh these many years and neither neither of those guys really had a proven nba skill set Uh, Certainly not elite shot makers like Nick Smith Jr. You need multiple guys like that Um, if you're going to go through a rebuild or a mini rebuild. You got a guy. You you have to have guys you can put the ball in their hands and ask them to go get a bucket, and they do. And that's what Nick Smith Jr. can do. Now, can he develop some of those other things that would make him like a legit sixth man or role player? You know, or even, you know, can he develop them such that he even becomes in conversation as one of the, you know, three or four best players on your team? Well, that's to be seen. That's probably going to take a few years to figure out. But you've seen enough here in year one to absolutely justify holding on to him just to see uh, what comes of it. Now, in terms of the, you know, should they tear it all down versus uh, stick with this core, I I think – the way your buddy felt, David, is the exact way this franchise has felt, is they've they've always wanted to see if the thing they built was going to work, if the airplane that they built was actually right. going to fly. And, and unfortunately, they have not gotten that opportunity because of injuries. But you're right, David, like there's there's just not going to be much tolerance for any more time to see if it all can work out because – Every year that goes by, you're one year closer to having to have another conversation with LaMelo Ball about about continuing on with this franchise. The difficulty with tearing it all down and going into a full, full rebuild is that you've got LaMelo Ball on a max contract in his fifth year and you're getting closer to that conversation. And how long does it take if you tear this thing all the way down to the studs? So I think the the line that they have to navigate here, this new ownership group, is how do we get away from what we were doing, transition into something new without completely, you know, going scorched earth on the roster and, and getting even worse than this season. Uh, that That's going to be the difficult thing because I'm not even sure that LaMelo would be super interested in going through two or three years of that. Well, and that's that's the question. When we were discussing whether they should only keep those four, uh, one part of the question is, Okay, yeah. Are you asking if they should try to keep PJ and and Gordon and then get somebody else and those guys move to a different role? No. The real question is, do you keep that many? 
is yeah. is four too much or do you just <laughs> con- continue to get rid of everybody to the point where now we're having this real conversation about LaMelo that's the question that is closer to what the Hornets should be having but no I don't think they should be getting rid of LaMelo after the 200 million dollar extension he is a good player I think you have to figure out if he's going to be a healthy player for sure but even with the injuries that he suffered now, it's not enough to move on from and completely tear it down to the studs. I wouldn't agree with that. Yeah. Brandon Miller, clearly, you're not moving off of his second overall pick after a strong 30, 40-game start to his season, his career. So, no, you're not moving on from him. Here's the thing for me, too, though. So, as we talk about, I think that's the the right four players. I think that's it. The, well, it's the guys, Mello and three rookie contracts, right? Yep, or or yep. at the time being. So. And that are promising, right? What, yeah. Varying levels of promising. Brandon, by far, being the most. You can make your own decision on Mark and Nick Smith Jr. I know people sour on Mark. We can get to him in the center rotation. Mark has shown you enough to want to see what he can do the next couple of years. Like, I, I would like to hold on play. to him. So with these four guys, I think that's the right decision. The problem is that when people try to figure out how far to tear it down, you often want, all right, well, we'll keep all the valuable players and try to trade all the invaluable players. Wait, now, now you're not, not going to get anything. Like, yeah, nobody else wants right. those guys either. So how much value are you going to have to trade? So the guys that might have it, one is Gordon Hayward, who you have to deal at the deadline or you don't trade him anymore. Yeah. You can do a sign and trade, but that maybe, but that wouldn't make sense. And so I think what's going to happen is deadline for Gordon Hayward. So if you don't trade him at the deadline, you're not trading him anymore. Now you have Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier has value. So we'll, we'll see exactly oh, yeah. how much. Uh, maybe we think it's more than it actually is out there because of how great he's been. Zach Lowe also showered him with praise along Chris Herring when they were picking out their all-stars. He's not going to make the team. But Terry has salvaged some of the value that he was not able to get on the trade market last year. Miles Bridges will not be traded unless he signs off on it, which means he's probably just going to hit unrestricted free agency. That's a that's a big old talent that you're not going to be able to get anything in return. And I don't know what you would get for PJ. So that's that's the tough part, right? Yeah. That's that's the tough part trying to figure out how much value you could get while tearing it down to those four players, such as Zach suggested. Look, we keep assuming that. Miles Bridges wouldn't sign off on a trade. But, I mean, if they keep losing like this and Miles is offered the opportunity to go literally anywhere else with playoff implications, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe. But that's, but that, and that was my point, too. It's like I've thought about that, but even still, Miles has control to limit what value you get, right? Like, it's not that he wouldn't agree well, it to was, His contract does that. I mean, it's only $8 million. Yeah. So you would have to pair him with multiple other players if you wanted to bring back any kind of, like, significant player package back. And I don't think any team with trained. all of the baggage is going to be – yeah, well, I don't think they're going to be willing to really move uh heaven and earth when they know that he's going to you know hit unrestricted free agency and they'll have that opportunity to make that case anyway uh, i'll i'll prove my point though honestly right like it, it all proves i wasn't that disagreeing Gordon, with you i'd love to prove yeah. no, your point. No. oh no thank you no i know you weren't disagreeing all, all that proving the point of when you like you're trying to keep all the valuable players and so now gordon and miles if it doesn't have happen at the deadline and that's tough yeah. now you move on to pj and yeah. terry and I, look, so yeah no yeah, i know that's and when we're talking about this timing wise it's like who and when who's going to do this and when are they going to do it i mean what's the impetus right. for mitch to do this he's one never done it so why would he do it now when you think there's a changing of the guard oh. coming in you know so like 
I mean, is this stuff happening now? Is this off? It feels more like off season draft time, right? You know, look, summer, yeah, summertime stuff. If you're if you're this ownership, if I were the ownership group, I would not be asking Mitch Kupchak to like completely reform this roster at the trade deadline. I would be asking right. Mitch Kup- He would be getting a note that said something to the effect of, "Hey, make sure the books are good, right? Make sure everything's clean, and that way, when when this does happen." Uh, they'll they'll have maximum flexibility to try to you know try to hit that gap of like remaking this team because here's the thing bottom line the stink of losing it it will is is like all over some of these players some of the veteran guys not the rookie contracts they'll be fine they don't know what's going on that's why you can keep Mark and Brandon and Nick Smith Jr. because they don't know any better but a lot of these other guys have lost a lot of games as members of, of the Charlotte Hornets. And at some point, even if you love those players, even if you love Terry Rozier, you've got to move on and bring some new voices into a locker room that haven't been coming to the same locker room over and over again and losing over and over again, have all that institutional memory. You have to move on from those guys and bring in some guys that don't have that um, because what happens is what we're seeing right now, which is bad body language, guys that just don't that the the belief is starting to crack and, and that's why you're getting some of these like crazy numbers in terms of them not getting back into transition in terms of them missing missing a god-awful amount of layups I mean it is crazy some of the stuff we're seeing right now I think is just all attributed to they have lost a lot they've been very injured and they can't get over it yeah it's well tough. and yeah, well, and and by the way, the the Mitch Kupchak conversation it goes back to the point of is this the, the time that we celebrate him not doing something like make sure the books are good? This goes back to wait, have we actually come full circle to the point where we're asking him not to do something? We threw away the stick and we've got our hand. Hey, nope, I'm not poking. Nope, it's gone. Right. Not us. Gone. Not we're not asking that anymore. <laughs> no. Look, he works at the he works at the pleasure of uh, Rich Schnob and Gabe Plotkin at this point. So at this point, you're asking the ownership group to do the right thing. Yeah. And by the way, I if do they f- do that, if they do the very difficult thing of remaking the roster, and somehow we're sitting here on an off season show next season, going, I think they got a they got a chance to dice it up a little bit in the Eastern Conference then they will deserve a lot of credit because that's going to be a very difficult sure. thing to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, we want to give them to him. I, I do think Mitch is still going to get calls. Like, his phone is still going to ring, especially for Terry. The Terry and the Lakers thing, to me, still makes a ton of sense. I agree. Possibly squeeze out of them to get back. That'll be the question. I, th- I think they have some draft picks. I'm, I'm not sure on that. I haven't done my Lakers homework this morning, guys, but I'm sure they could offer up something and they need, I mean, that's a great fit to me and I would love it for Terry personally. But uh, so I think his phone is going to ring uh, more so for Terry now than anyone else, just because of, of the streak he's been on. So like there are going to be decisions, you know, there are going to be decisions that that have to be made. And and unless they're like, you know, just don't do anything. Just give us your phone, Mitch, turn your phone in. uh, We'll guard your landline. And if they just, you know, handicap them, (laughs) Uh, not let him do anything. Uh, there's still going to be some. some I don't some think that's going to be a problem. I don't think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> well, and and just to put a bow on this first phone. segment, you mentioned Terry Rozier to the Lakers. ESPN's Tim McMahon said, "If I'm Rob Palinka, 
I'm calling Charlotte. I'm inquiring about Terry Rozier. And then Brian Windhorst responded and said, he's a shoot first player. He's a guy who can give you big time offense. He's an explosive offensive player. I even, which is wrong by the way, shoot first. His assist percentage is like thir- above 31%. This is just classic. I not watching the Hornets. He's a good uh, passer folks. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> well, actually, Brian, mm. I knew that was about to happen. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's go to the center of inattention coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll talk about the center rotation, the lack of Mark Williams, maybe discuss his future a little more, but also the depth pieces. Nick Richards, Nathan Minsa, James Najee. Huh, you know, I'm going to bring up James oh, Najee. God. That's coming up next in Lockdown Hornets. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? And then you can think opposite of New Year, New You. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. I just did that, by the way. You know, yay me. Or maybe you're taking your supplements and every morning you're taking them and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strength so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that actually really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and then you can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge celebrate the progress you've already made visit betterhelp.com slash locked on nba to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p betterhelp.com slash locked on nba this episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. the nfl regular season wrapped up it's done we're actually even already done with wild card weekend but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, america's number one sports book Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. That's the best way to find popular parlays. And you can do even more than that. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. More Lockdown Hornets ahead. So we ended the last segment, and David uh, was mentioning a possible trade of Terry Rozier to the Los Angeles Lakers and was inquiring about the picks that they had available. So let me just list these down. These are, these are yeah, the uh, Los yeah. Angeles first-round picks, okay? 2023, uh, that one went to the Pelicans. 2024, that's owned by the Pelicans as well. They have the rights to receive the 2025 pick instead. That's, again, due to the Anthony Davis trade. The 2025 first-round pick also owned by the Pelicans, but they have the rights to this pick if they forego the 2024 pick. Uh, so the late, the earliest pick, I think, the first-round pick that you could get for Terry Rozier would be the 2026 pick. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I think if you, I think they actually, if I'm not mistaken, if you keep going further down that list, Doug, I could be wrong about this, but I actually think they don't have, like, I don't think they have 27 or 28, and and maybe they have 29 after that. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like there are a lot of first rounders. Yeah, this feels like this may be a little bit of an older article. So this says that they own them. I'll 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 keep double checking this. Actually, this one, this fanspo.com is going to be the more accurate. No, it looks like they own. 
They do not own their 2027 pick. That okay. is gone. Right. You're right about that. But they do have 2028. So you could get that. Okay. That 26 is the sweet spot. You know, Ooh, if if the world yeah. isn't on fire by then, if we're all still around, then 2026 choice. Is that Cooper flag or is that that's going to be past? No, 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 we're past Cooper flag at that point. Cooper yeah, will that's be 25. No. Um, yeah. Well, so so I'll look it up. I'll look up who they're projecting yeah, yeah. in 2020. The, the, so, uh, little so, 2026 so mock draft. This is right in my right in my wheelhouse. Oh man! Is Bronny is Bronny in play there somewhere? Maybe he needs to go back to school a couple I mean, of years, and then you know LeBron James. <laughs> now, so roster wise, roster wise, there's not a whole lot that you're looking to build off of unless they want to. I mean. They're not letting go Austin Reeves. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the roster, no. I mean, unless, yeah. you know. It, Does it, Cam it, Reddish do anything for you? No, he used to. God, I used to love me <laughs> some Cam Reddish. Rui Hachimura used to do something oh, for one Doug Branson. Oh, how about, how about 2026? Uh, second overall on this uh, NBA draft room mock draft in 2026 is Cameron Boozer, son of Carlos Boozer. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm surprised that there's somebody we actually can figure out who Real they're related quick, to or who we know. Just to go completely off script here. Did you guys see the the the, the NBA draft is going to two nights? I did. I did this, see that. We're gonna have to dedicate, you know, once things get out of hand here, uh soon we should dedicate an entire complaints pod this is i hate this idea just i, I don't like it no one working that likes that idea uh, what are we uh, the gms are complaining they don't have enough time for the second round who's gonna watch the second round by the way when they pr- put it on espn bet or whatever sickos, sickos. it could it watch. could result in more trades just simply out of boredom just simply out that of having going, nothing we're not else to back do. in the morning Right. <laughs> yeah, if they're I mean, going to do that, they should go back and hold it in the hotel lobby of, you know, the Holiday Inn in downtown Cleveland and just let's go all the way old school. You know what I mean? Just go do it in the ballroom. Oh, wow. It's like a, Kate, Caden Boozer in 2026, number 10 overall on this list. So Boozer's got a couple of couple of Boozers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. We need no more 2026 draft talk. Sorry. No more. No more 2026 draft talk. Okay. The, the, Doug, you're the one that wanted to talk about the center of inattention. And so maybe we could try to find the yeah. best center in 2026. Maybe that is Boozer. He's tall. Maybe that's the no, case. No, no, no. They, they got it, them as wings. Uh, Cameron is 6'9, okay. 215. Caden, uh, 6'4, 190. Both those are wings. All right. I opened that up for an additional comment. I can only blame myself. <laughs> what do you want to talk about with the center position? It's not very good right now. I think we can all I think we can all mm. agree. I don't think there's going to be much debate there. And uh, Mark Williams has some things to develop. Look, if he, I think if he doesn't, I said this on a show that I don't think either of you, maybe David was on this show. I don't think you are Walker, but I said something th- that is uh, might be a little bit outlandish. I don't know that if Mark Williams doesn't develop an outside shot, that I think eventually, you know, he's a he's a bench big for the Charlotte Hornets, that they would still go out and look for that center um, who can spread the floor and allow them to go five out. Uh, so th- there's that issue. But apart from that, they just don't have any depth. And this is the what feels like the 
fifth or sixth straight season now where the Hornets have gone into a season without an NBA-level big rotation. And I, I thought it was the right move to sign Nick Richards to the very affordable contract that they did because I thought, look, he's improving. He's going to give you some valuable contributions off the bench. And ultimately, the contract was such that it was very tradable that they, if they wanted to rework, and it still is, and that, that's still a value to the Charlotte Hornets. He could be included in some kind of trade to make the numbers work. Uh, but they didn't follow that up by getting a third big. And they're, they're depending on Nathan Mensah, who um, is struggling because he's not big enough, he's not quick enough uh, to not foul guys or uh, you know be able to really take it inside and make a layup or make any kind of post move. And so look, I mean, the center position is giving up a ton of points at the rim. I was looking at well, giving up points at the rim, but also not scoring. I was looking at the rim accuracy over the past couple of games. Uh, 37.5%. Uh, that would be when you're talking about league averages. That would be worst in the league. 41.7% in the game against uh, San Antonio. That would also be worst in the league. 47.1% against Sacramento. Uh, that would be uh, fourth percentile, so probably like second or third worst in the NBA. It doesn't get much better from there, folks. Um, they're not scoring at the rim. They're not defending the rim. And the center position um, has been left to die on the vine. It's the, it's the one area that they're going to have to continue to look at if they rework this roster. David, what do you think about the center rotation right now with Mark Williams being out, but also Nick Richards? I, I think we know what it is with Mensa. Just for yeah. reference, I mean, like he's trying real hard. He, he no, yeah, no, hard to his credit, no, like he's out yeah, there not, giving not it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's giving it all he has. He's just <laughs> he got super defensive over Mensa. Like, well, Mensa, we're not. <laughs> we, well, we because I don't want to be the podcast that comes on and like piles on guys who are who are yeah. being put in positions that they shouldn't be put in. Nathan Mensa should not right. be out there on an NBA floor having to deal with Victor Wembanyama and Bam Adebayo. Like, this guy should be developing his skills in the G League, and the Hornets are are putting him out there uh, to be eaten by the Wolves. Well, I don't don't know whether they play the Timberwolves, but, you know. Logical minds can understand that we're not piling on Mensa, um, except maybe when I reference the fact that he's averaging more fouls than points. But other than that, (laughs) I'm not going to pile on Nathan Mensa. Not at all. This continued continued inability to fill the center position with any depth just always reminds me that we should have kept Duran and Mark Williams on draft night like Walker and I wanted to do. Um, and it no, was you small. and Doug. Did you want you guys? You both wanted to go two centers. You and Doug. Was that you Doug or yep. I it was. was totally okay. me. I loved. It I loved. You, me and Doug. I loved. So I was against it. I was against it. I wanted to go wing That's and right. center, That's and you guys right. wanted to go double up on the center position. Well, and the, the, what was ridiculous is that their justification at the time was that they had too many other players <laughs> no, no. that they were trying to develop. And it's now bad. James Book Knight. We can all agree on that. James yeah, Book Knight can't get off the bench. Kai Jones is off the roster. But Nick so. Smith Jr., we got to remember, Nick Smith Jr., we just put in the core to keep. That's, that's, that's God, You always come back to that one, don't you? I, I agree with that one. But, yeah, I mean, look, I like Mark Williams. I, I think he has shown you enough that uh, he can be – He can, I think he can be a starter. I think he's still being a starter. I mean, he's got to get back on the floor for the love of God. But – uh, you know, I think he can still develop. He's still got some learning to do. It'd be great if he could get a little bit stronger uh, and be able to hold his own down there a little bit more. But like his length and just his ability to uh, be a presence down there is, and maybe we're just been starved for it, but I, I liked a lot about it. I would love to see him get some extended play with LaMelo if those two can ever get healthy again. But look, I mean, yeah, after that, it, it, you're just asking everybody to play above their head. I mean, even, um, 
even Nick Richards, right? I mean, you know, in spurts, he'd be a great energy guy. He's done even even he's been asked to do uh, obviously too much and has you know is trying hard, but like he is just limited in certain areas, and he kind of is what he is. Where Mark, I think, still has some room to grow. I think Nick kind of is. Yep, what I he agree. Is. Yeah, well, and you lose the thing that made Nick so valuable, which was the energy play, which was the putback play. I mean, his second chance points have uh, really cratered his ability to do that. And, you know, he's missing catches. He's doing some stuff that you weren't used to seeing him do. And I think it's because he's being asked to do so much else on the defensive end of the floor because offensively, you're not running anything through him. I mean, his usage percentage is super no. low. His points per shot attempt is great, but that's because, like, the one or two times he catches the ball, you know, he's right at the rim for a dunk. Um, but you're losing a lot of that offensive rebounding ability that that he was known for when he was doing it off the bench. You're saying Nick Richards, that Nick is? Nick Richards, yeah. yeah. Well, well, remember, when Mark Williams went out, he was third in offensive rebounding in the league. Like, it was, it was weird because you had Mark and Nick Richards both really good at that skill set, except Nick Richards would come in and not give you the defensive rebounding that you need. The offensive rebounding percentage, I believe, was only behind Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella right. at the time, and then Mark Williams goes to the bench, and you know you still it's it's the offensive rebounding that you have more of a strength. Let's get I have more thoughts on the center position, but let, let's move on to the next break. We talked too much about the 2026 draft and Sorry. Carlos Boozer's kid. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll talk more about the center position, but lots of James Borrego convo happening in what? Hornets Twitter land. We'll get to that in just a moment. The last segment of Locked On Hornets. Before we do that, I do want to talk about Jace Medical. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? If you found yourself cut off from modern medical care and treatment, whether it's on an outdoor adventure, in a natural disaster, or in a foreign country, do you have a plan? With the Jace case, you can secure your own supply of basic antibiotics with ease and peace of mind. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinus infections, skin infections, even more than that. The stuff could really happen to any of us, all of that stuff. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Visit Jace case, excuse me, visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, use uh, locked on to get $20 off your order at jacemedical.com. More locked on Hornets ahead. Doug, you said you have something for me if I want it. I, I don't know if I want it. I, I, I have a feeling I know where this is going, but go ahead, Doug. Take the floor. Where are we going with this? Well, you asked me if I had something on, on the center position, and I do. And one of the best centers in the league right now, Victor Wibanyama, and his brother, younger brother, Oscar Wibanyama, is available in the 2027 draft, currently ranked okay. seventh among small forwards, not a center, 6'7", from France. If you want to get in on the Wibanyama game, you trade for that 2027 late pick and you'll be in the money now how close are the Wimbenyamas to being like the Antetokounmpo's like are we getting at the honest here is this a the honest situation that we're working with uh we don't know that right we're not we're not sure i haven't seen any scouting reports yeah maybe maybe the the younger brother is better maybe just maybe we could do that um did you have yeah. something you want to say on the center thing walker i did 
Go ahead. <laughs> it didn't have anything to do about Oscar. Um, Thanks for having me on. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, I think the center position. No, for me, I, I'm with you, David. Like the, the Mark Williams stuff. I, I think the the thing that, about Mark Williams compared to a Nick Richards or anybody else, we've seen. I think actual special games. Like, I don't. I don't think I'm using that title loosely. I go to Boston mm-hmm. when that was the best game that he played, and he didn't hit a three. But he also was special in that he was gobbling up all the rebounds. He put forth a 100% effort, right? Like, even if he's 80% of what that Boston Celtics game looked like, that's a bona fide starter in the league to me. And he needs to you're, – you're totally right, Doug, when, when you have some of the concerns about him. And I know other people are, you know, a little bit off of the Mark Williams hype train. It was full steam ahead coming into the season, has a great debut, but then he's been inconsistent. That's true. And I didn't expect that. And I was wrong about just expecting consistency, continuing to go up in a sophomore campaign. But I do think we see special games from him to the point where I think he can be a really big contributor. And the shot for me, like, guys, he's not even shooting mid-range jumpers this year. Remember last year we had the Phoenix game where he was able to knock down a couple of 15-foot yeah. elbows, and and even if he's not shooting the three-pointer, they're not exploring that part at all. Like as we start to transition into the coaching, can we just get like some pick and pop from Mark Williams? I know mid-rangers are not supposed to happen, but maybe every once in a while you shoot that mid-ranger from the elbow or wherever he is baseline just to give a little more space for the guards to operate because Mark has the touch. We've seen that. The finesse layup package is very real. When he does shoot the mid-range, we feel very good about it. The free throw percentage was good coming into his NBA career. And so maybe we just even extended a little bit more uh, to the 15-foot area where it, it doesn't just have to be within five feet or less. And we're not even exploring that. So uh, We'll have plenty of time. There's plenty of time, Walker. A lot of season to go. Yep. And if this thing continues to get out of hand, they'll have a lot of time to experiment with all kinds of things. They have been with Nick Richards because the paint has been completely cut off as teams – realized that the Hornets can't shoot, and so they locked down the paint. Richards has had a couple of opportunities to hit mid-range shots, and he's taken them, and he's missed them pretty terribly. So, uh, sorry, guys, I was wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think no, he's hiding anything it, under a bushel at this point. My bad. It, uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't that the lar- isn't that the, a part of the larger issue, though, with the Hornets and the center position? It's just not – there's not a, there's not that super skilled guy. There's not that modern NBA center there, you know, that's that's either going to step out and pick and pop or that's crafty with the passing of the basketball. Like, they they, they don't have anyone to match up with, even like an, uh, a Sengun, somebody like that, you know, who's, 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 who could be skilled and score in a couple of different ways. That's something that they just have not yeah. – you know, that position just has not matured in that way. Uh, to well, match that's up it. with where the league is kind of going, right? It's not just about shooting. It's about passing as well. I mean, Sabonis, right. Jokic, uh, Wibanyama can pass it. Um, and yeah. and you, you just mentioned I mean, Shingun. So, like, you know, if you're if you're going to have a big that can't pass and can't shoot, if, can all, if, all, your, if, all, your, if all your bigs are like that, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I think Mark Williams can pass. But I, I think a lot of the offensive stuff, they're just so focused on giving him pick and roll and diving. Like, that's it, you know? And, right. and, so, and maybe maybe that's part of it, right? Maybe that's maybe maybe that's the thinking. Or maybe he's got a little more to show that we just haven't seen. But something there is not developing itself, whether it's from a skill set or whether it's from a scheme. Really, it's physicality on defense. Like, that's the if, if I were to say, hey, Walker, you can have a problem fixed tomorrow for Mark Williams, what would it be? It would be physicality on defense and grabbing defensive rebounds. That'd be it. Like, if he does that, 
I feel just fine about yeah. what he can do. So, uh, and speaking of not putting Mark Williams in some of these situations, we'd like to see him in offensively just to try it. You know, Steve Clifford is the one making those decisions and Steve Clifford, as we've come to his defense, I don't like when, when he was announced the head coach for the second time, I had a problem with it because it, it seemed, and it flat out was unplanned. You wanted to go after Kenny Atkinson, Atkinson to the fault of the Hornets and to the fault of Atkinson. Kenny goes back to Golden State, maybe even understandably so. And so all these other coaching candidates that were on the table, like I, you know, there were plenty of them. Uh, Vanderpool, there Dan was Norman Ham at the time, Dan, Dan Tony, Tony for sure. Yeah, nobody, we just, nope. None of those guys were going to go, you know, try to see what the deal is. We're going to go right back to Steve Clifford. And so it felt unprepared. No Atkinson. Now we don't have an answer. Let's go back to the guy that we fired the first go around. Not even like early, early the last time we made a coaching decision. And so that's what I hated about it. Even if I don't think all of this is Steve Clifford's fault. Now we're seeing a lot of Twitter accounts that talk about the Charlotte Hornets get in on the James Borrego combo here. And I know that it was, I think it was a little polarizing when they fired Borrego. I, I think that there were people that didn't think that was the right decision. I know we had a lot of conversation about it. I ultimately understood if you have a graphic of a blowout and a play-in tournament loss up in the locker room all year long as motivation and then get beat worse the next play-in game, then maybe something has to change because those losses are painful. When you get beat down by 30 to both the Pacers and the Hawks by 30, then yeah, I understand if you have to move on. So people acting like James Borrego would be a, what, 15-win, 20-win team with how it's constructed now, like with all the injuries that they've suffered the last couple of years. That's what I just can't buy. I, I just, the whole, if James Brago was here, life would be better. I, I completely disagree. If you don't think he's been fired, okay. Like, there are reasons for that. I think there's a logical explanation for him not to have been fired. But to say that this season would have gone so differently with James Brago as the head coach, I can't get on board with that whatsoever. I mean, maybe maybe just thinking chaos theory-wise that it can't get any worse, that any change would have would made it better. I mean, I, I think uh, you, you could you could maybe go go in that direction. But you're right. I mean, look, I, well, half of the staff is still on the <laughs> still on the payroll. You're getting actually a great point. Yes. You're getting Borrego without Borrego. Um, no, listen, no one was howling too much. Whenever whenever any coach gets fired, all of the coaches in the NBA media sphere always come to coach's defense. And so it's always degrees of how much they howl about a coach getting fired. And, you know, you, you had a little bit of like, ooh, what are they doing? You know, they've, they've gone through a lot of changes. But no one was really uh, – and, and, you know, he didn't get a job – he didn't get a head coaching job immediately after that. So his services weren't, like, extremely valued in that way. Um, so I think a lot of this conversation is is only about being completely sick – and there have, you know, just a lot of losing and a lot of bad luck. And here's the thing. When you have as much bad luck that you can't really explain, you cannot explain what has happened to the Charlotte Hornets over the past two seasons. I really think there's trauma. There's trauma. There's serious trauma in the fan base where they, they are dealing with stuff that they can't explain. They can't go to basketball reference or cleaning the glass and look at a number and say, oop. Yep, there it is. If they just fix that one thing, if they just fired the head coach, if they so now when you can't when you can't explain something, then you just go 
completely insane. You go wild and you talk about bringing back a guy or not firing a guy who lost two play uh, play in games by like a combined sixty or seventy points. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, David? Yeah. I, I'm I, and I'm like, we liked a lot of, or I liked a lot of what Borrego did here. They had he had a fun team on the floor. He had a fun pro- product on the floor. I saw certain things that were not being fixed and addressed that kept happening over and over and over again to where I got to the point was, uh, yes, let's make a change. Let's see what else they can do. They tried to upgrade that position to your point. We all know the Kenny Atkinson thing and they were caught flat footed. They were caught with their pants down and didn't have anything else to do. So they knew the guy who knew the building and knew most of the people in it. And they asked him to come and kind of shepherd the ship and whatever happened between now and then there's a ownership change like it, it, there wasn't probably a great time to make a, a big head coaching change when people are talking about selling the team. But uh, to, to think that Borrego, you know, who is coaching now as an assistant in new Orleans, uh, oh, would be hey. able to guide this group, this group, because that's what all the other thing we talk about roster construction. This team is not a good team put together and that Borrego would be able to come in and somehow turn that on his head and have him in the playoff race is I think a little, uh, uh, short-sighted I understand all the frustration and I, I really do I just don't think that looking back now saying they should have kept Borrego they shouldn't have tried and upgraded that position at the time uh, was the bad thing to do and and like Clifford's really getting pounded right now and and I get it I mean there's a lot of frustration with watching the same thing happen over and over and over again um, I think that that will change uh, but it's just tough to watch right now I, but but you know Borrego had his own shortcomings and it was time to move on, I think, for the Hornets. They tried to take a step up, and, and it didn't work out. But the re- revisionist history on that, is, I think, is a little short-sighted. Well, and I think it says that I'm doing Twitter correctly because I did not see this conversation at all. I have curated my Twitter or X or whatever such that mm-hmm. I avoided this. So that that really tells me that the work that I've put in over the past year has has been <laughs> valuable. Has been good. And and like we're not saying it's good right now. Obviously it's not, but both things can be true, right? Like yeah. it's time to make a change and this is a disaster. <laughs> like right. They, if Kenny Atkinson were the coach right now, we would not be talking about even well, if they and, and even so, if you take Kenny Atkinson right. oh, and yeah. all of the injuries, like we wouldn't be talking no no one would be talking about James Borrego. Well, and and this is my point too. trying to find the number that encapsulates all of the pain and the trauma, as Doug puts it, like, I know it's tough to find that number, but the one I went to, I think it was a few weeks ago that I'll say again here, Terry Rozier played 63 games last season, and that was the fourth most of any Charlotte Hornet. When you go to James Borrego's last year, 63 would have been eighth, would have been eighth, and it was fourth last year. So... All the injuries, like Steve Clifford used to have this reputation of not wanting to play rookies at all, even if you were drafted in the lottery. Now he's going to Nathan Mensah. Do you think he's going to Mensah by choice? This is the guy that didn't want to play Malik Bunk, the 11th overall pick. This is the guy that didn't want to play a lot of rookies. But no, no, it's his it, It's his decision. He wants to play Mensa because Mensa just is showing that something. All right, I'm done piling on Mensa. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Well, hey, I Go got ahead. a number. We'll I got a number for you. Time. My number is zero. <laughs> That's the number of things that Mitch Kupchak has done outside of the draft to improve this team. It's also the number of centers on this roster that can pass and shoot. Um, I don't know if a boozer wears zero, but wow. it might be that that might be their number as well um, in the in the 2026 draft. 
Okay, we'll end with Boozer Talk. That'll do it. That will really do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. Go follow David Walker on Twitter at David B. Walker. Go read Doug's work on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com, and go listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to preview the New Orleans Pelicans game, led by James Borrego. (laughs) 